Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and happy pre-release weekend to all of my unlucky lounge rats. Thanks for tuning in here on a very special Friday for another edition of Friday Night Podcast. My name is Corey, your denizen of the unlucky lounge. The keep Yes, it's exciting, time to play new cards, and time to launch into some traditional drafts. That's right, we're jumping right in to some Zendikar Rising Draft format here on Draft and Draft. And as always, we need to give those few bits of housekeeping at the top of our episode. This episode, as always, is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, BLEAV.com, or wherever you download your audio goodness. And of course, this show is made because of all of you, the unlucky lounge rats, the people that are here every week tuning in for the first time, or just people looking to celebrate some Magic the Gathering. Thanks for tuning in, and follow us on our socials, Draft and Draft Corey, that is on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at Corey Demone Enriquez, or of course, find us on our Patreon at Draft and Draft, an MTG podcast. And let's get right to the heat of it, y'all. Pick one, pack one, Zenikar Rising. The rare is Linvala, Shield of the Seagate. It's Texas mostly irrelevant except for the sacrifice it and then you give either all of your creatures indestructible or hexproof but the most important part is that it's a 3-3 flyer for 3. Great stats. We're going to take it also as a wizard. Wizard's quite strong in the blue uh, side of life so I'm pretty happy to take that. Pick one, pack one. Going into pick one, pack two, we're going to just have some pretty disciplined drafting here and uh, take Nahiri's Binding. It is the arrest variant of the format. One white, white, enchant a creature or planeswalker, and it can't attack, block, or use its act. Brock, this is the third draft I've engaged in thus far with Zendikar Rising. Uh, the last one I did was a green-black plus one plus one counters deck. It was fine. It was missing some pieces. We were able to sneak out a 3-0 in our traditional draft. Uh, the other one we drafted was a black-white clerics build. Uh, I've yet to play uh, with it because I'm waiting to uh, actually play with it with my friend. Uh, but as soon as we do, uh, I'm interested. We, we start off on the black-white cleric rare. Uh, ended up with a few really cool pieces, plus a few of the two ones that drain for your party count. I'm pretty excited to see how that card plays out. Pick three, pack one. Uh, we have an uncommon double strike one one for one and a white. Equipped warrior creatures you control have double strike core blade master. Not bad. Uh, besides that in our color, there's not much. There's a living tempest, a three three flash flyer for five. Uh, there's also a Mesa Lynx, which is a 2-1 for 1 and a white. I'm going to stick with the Core Blade Master for now. We can probably pick up a few little bits and bobs of equipment, but I'd rather kind of stay in the white-blue payoff party. I've yet to draft it, and I'm interested to see if it comes together. Pick 4, pack 1. There's a Cunning Geyser Mage. This card seems pretty cool, and I'm excited to try it out. It's a 3-2 for 3, a 2 and a blue. And has Kicker, 2 and a blue. Uh, when it ETBs, if it was kicked, you return up to one other target creature to its owner's hand. Uh, we've already got 
two three drops, but I think that's a fine inclusion. The other choice is Azula Port Duelist. It's a one one for a single blue with flash when it ETBs. Up to one target creature gets minus two minus out. Probably the most important part is that it's a human rogue. It does have the controller mill two cards, but the card doesn't make that much of a board impact, and I'd rather kind of start to fill out things in our deck with other relevant pieces. Uh, now we're going to pick one pack one, and this is kind of uh, the folly of our drafting thus far, as we've really kind of sewn ourselves into white-blue. Maybe we could have taken a second to look at the other cards in the pack and see what was the strongest card. Uh, right now, the best card, and the card that I've been very impressed with, is Tangled Florahedron. It's a 1-1 that taps for a green. Uh, that's also an MDFC to be a land on the other side. It's quite a good card. I'm pretty happy taking it relatively early. Unfortunately, beyond that, there's not too much exciting. Uh, there's a Molten Blast in red. There's a Living Tempest, a 3-3 Flash Flyer for 5. I'll probably end up taking that. There's also a Skyclave Sentinel, but eh, the 3-3 Flyer 2-3 that kind of has a restriction is not something I'm all that excited to try and do. Uh, pick 6, pack 1. Lulmange's Domination. Domination. Well, Domination. No, I mean Domination. Uh, it's blue, 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 and X. You gain control of target creature with the CMC X or less, and it costs three less to cast. If uh, the controller of the creature's owner has eight or more cards in their graveyard, so it's one of the payoffs for enemy thresholds, I think we're going to end up taking this. If this format is slow enough, that is a relatively okay card to take. Uh, I mean, I really would prefer for it. There's also a Stonework Pack Beast, a 2-1 for 2. You know what? I'll take that instead. The triple blue is just such a cost. It really feels more like a detriment than an actual card to me. Uh, now we see a Prowling Felidar. It's 3 and a white, a 2-3 with Vigilance, and when... Uh, land enters the battlefield, landfall, of course, you put a counter on it. Besides that, there's not too much. Just looking at pure uh, power level, Feed the Swarm seems to be the other card that maybe we consider taking uh, as just a removal spell, but I don't know if that's a reason to try and shift gears into black necessarily. So what we'll probably end up doing is just taking that Fowling uh, Prowling Feldar and just try and see if we can kind of go from there. We get a little bit of payoff here. A 3-2 flyer for 4 in Expedition Diviner. Uh, it's a Merfolk Wizard, and when it dies, you control another wizard, you get to draw a card. So it starts to keep our wizard count up. Uh, drawing cards is nice. If we end up with the one blue uh, wizard trick that gives the creature minus 4, minus 0, that actually is pretty cool. And you can draw a card. I I'd be interested to see if we can make something like that happen. Uh, Cleric of Chill Depths is next. Uh, it's a 1-3 for 1 and a blue. When it blocks a creature, it doesn't untap. Not that excited about that card, actually. There's a Deliberate. Uh, 1 and a blue, scry 2, then draw a card. Maybe that's a, a fair role player. Do that, or we could take the Cleric of Chill Depths and you know maybe see if we can start to just have it be a good thing. And it's also starting to fill out some more of our party count to anticipate for future party payoffs. And I think we can probably find a Deliberate later on, so I'd rather just take... The role player pick 10 pack one nothing but green and red here uh i'll just take the spike field hazard yeah borax uh, so at this point my motto is kind of 
Uh, when in doubt, MDFC out. So if you see a card that's on color that's a, a modal double face card, I'll probably end up taking it. Uh, we'll take a Resolute Strike. We're going to probably not get too much left here in the pack. Another Living Tempest. I think this pack just in general is not too exciting to take. I'll take this Cliffhaven Kite Sail, though. The fact that we're playing best of three, that card can maybe do a little bit of work. And now there's a Shell Shield. Uh, it's not too appealing, but maybe it can make a spot in our deck, if only for the fact that we kind of like playing instants and sorceries in a dynamic way with our blue wizard build, so maybe we take that. Going to pack two, we're white-blue. We've got some uh, some little amounts of removal. I'd love to see some more card draw. We're starting setting ourselves up nicely for some party payoffs, like the Seagate Colossus that we did open up. It's a 7-5 for a 7 colorless that costs one less for each creature in your party, but we are not going to pass up this journey to oblivion. There is a red-white MDFC land, but we can't pass on a journey to oblivion. I think that card is just exactly what this deck wants. It's removal, it's a party payoff, so we can get it early. Very happy to take that. Uh, next, there's a Pair Tactician. Uh, it's a 3-2, that's a human warrior. When uh, Pair Tactician, at least one of the warrior attack, you put a counter on the Pair Tactician. Okay, that's fine. That's not really what we're doing. We much prefer to kind of keep a wide party payoff if we can. Uh, besides that, uh, there's a core celebrant, 1-4 for 3, when it or another creature ETBs, you gain a life, not bad. But we do see a deadly alliance. This is the uh, 4 colorless and a black destroy target creature or planeswalker that costs 1 less for each creature in your party. We do have a stonework pack beast. Maybe we just take this, there's not much else. There's two other red uncommon cards and just a bunch of derps that I'd be happy to table. So I'd rather just take this deadly alliance. This card has been extraordinary from what I'm seeing uh, other people play and uh, the things I've been playing against, so I'm happy to take that. Pick three, pack two. This is where we start to maybe get some of these party payoffs. There's the Spoils of Adventure. Four colorless white blue instant costs one less for each creature in your party. Gain three life, draw three cards. I like this card. I think it's very exciting, especially if our game plan is to just kind of empty our hand and then a card like this can help us refuel. There's a Practiced Tactics. One white, it deals uh, twice the number of creatures in damage to an attacking or blocking creature. I like it, but I would be happy to table it. I think that's a good card to table. Uh, pick two, pack four. This is where we go back to kind of our motto, uh, when in doubt, MDFC out. There's a Kabir takedown. Uh, white land on one side, and then it's an instant that deals damage equal to the number of creatures to target creature or planeswalker. Very happy to pick that up. Besides that, there's a Cascade Seer. It's a 33 for 4. Let's try X, where X is the number of creatures in your party. Another practice tactics. I think we're going to be able to uh, table that card. There's also a Rising Riptide, which I like, but we're just not really kicking many spells, so pretty happy to take this uh, outflank variant that can get us just a little bit of extra here and there. Next pack, there's a Slundy Vision. Now, this is a card that's worth some discussion. It's an MDFC. It's a blue land on one side. The other side, you look at the top six cards of your library, reveal an instant or sorcery, and then put in your hand, rest on the bottom in any order. Now, this card is fine, but it's just kind of replacing itself in a bind in the later game. It is an instant, which is nice, but I just don't really see us having enough gas to fuel it. I mean, maybe we'll be okay with it. I'll, I'll take it for now. The other thing would be a 3-2 and Angel Heart Protector. 
which is fine, but we can probably find that. It seems relatively replacement level. Uh, pick two, pack six. There's another stonework pack beast. I'm very happy I took that before since we picked up this deadly alliance in pack two. There's another angel heart protector, which, you know, we might be able to table the other one, but I think what we're going to take here uh, is the bubble snare. There's also the chilling trap, which is that instant spell we talked about before. Target creature gets minus four, minus zero until end of turn. If you control wizard, you get to draw a card, but bubble snare is proactive. It has kicker, which can work well with some other blue cards, and is just a solid piece of removal from what I'm seeing so far in this format. All right, so now is really a gut shot pick here. Pick seven, pack two. There's another deadly alliance. Great card, but there's also a Shepherd of Heroes. It's a 3-4 flyer for 5. Uh, that ETBs, you gain 2 life for each creature in your party. I like Deadly Alliance, but I don't want to splash too much. So I'd rather just take this 3-4 flyer for 5. It helps us gain life, go to the late game. And we already have a good amount of, you know, uh, party stuff to play into. So pretty cool to see that. And oh, amazing. We've seen Into the Royal. Pick 8, pack 2. That's just kind of exactly what I want to see. And now taking this Salundi Vision, looks like it might start paying us off a little bit here and there. Maybe we can get enough instants and sorceries to really make this card uh, have a solid payoff. We then see the Tabled Expedition Diviner, the 3-2 flyer uh, wizard that when it dies, if you control another wizard, you draw a card. Happy for that card to be a win con if that is what our deck is trying to do. Uh, Seagate Banneret for a one white core warrior party filler, sure. And there goes that table practice tactics. I think this card's going to sneak up on people, especially later on in the format. In the early, people are going to get some really sick decks as there's still evaluation in how some of these cards should be drafted, but I think down the line, a card like practice tactics is going to end up being a really sweet role player, especially in our blue-white party decks like we're drafting here today. Risen Riptide, sweet. Uh, we don't have too many of our kicker spells, but we'll take it. Probably won't play it, though. Uh, another Living Tempest, not too bad. Again, don't really want to play more than one, if one, at that. I don't think that card is particularly good. It's pretty filler. So going into pick three, pack one, I'd love to see some more payoffs for this white-blue deck. Maybe a few more party things going on. Uh, maybe some... Yeah, that is an interesting sorcery, Borok. Skyclave Plunder, four and a blue. Look at the top X cards of your library, where X is three plus the number of creatures in your party, but three of those cards in your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. If this format isn't particularly fast, a card like this is pretty sweet. At minimum, it's a draw three. At maximum, you get to like probably scry two, like look at the top two cards of your library. Oh no, it's, it's, it's better than that, because it's X is three plus the number of creatures in your party. Whoa, yeah, alright, we'll, we'll take it. That's kind of cool. Uh, pick three, pack two. Another practice tactics. Again, another card I'd be happy to table. But now we see another stonework pack beast. Uh, the uncommons and rare is all basically Naya colors, and we don't really want to touch that. But stonework pack beast? Yeah, why not? It's in our party. We got the deadly alliance already. I'd be very happy to play that. Uh, I know it's a 2-1, and... Two, and like one toughness creatures are a little a little hard to swallow. I don't know if we'll take both. We'll probably table this other practice tactics. The other choice is a glacial grasp. It's the uh, chilling grasp that mills do as well. I, I'm not I'm not into that card, especially in this deck, so we're just going to take that card and be pretty happy with our choices. Alright, so we've got another MDFC, Brain Veil. Creatures your opponent's control get minus two, minus zero until end of turn, and of course it's the uh, 
blue land on the other side. But I think what we're going to take here is another Nahiri's Binding. Card's just great. It's a rest. It's going to help us as we kind of fly over them with our Expedition uh, Diviners, our extra draw spells in the, in the late. I certainly thought so, my bear buddy. We're gonna take a 017. What a sweet card for this deck. Like, seriously. What a sweet pickup. Uh, there's a Sea Floor Stalker, which I do like uh, in a deck like this. It's a 2 3. It uh, becomes a unblockable creature, and you activate its ability. And the ability costs 5, but costs 1 less for each creature in your party. But, I mean, I can't pass up a 017. That's just, it's perfect. It's, it's great in the early, threatening in the late. I am into it. Uh, pick three, pack five. No love for the Moss Pit Skeleton in this pack. It's the uh, Golgari signpost uncommon. Clearly, we're not going to take it. Uh, but yeah, just no respect for that card. There's a Malakir Blood Priest. The 2-1 Vampire Cleric that drains. We talked about this card before. We're doing quite well, but I just don't want to splash for this card. Just not interested. I will take this Deliberate, though. It could help us out a little bit here and there i'll probably end up not playing it oh look at some uncommon blue cards we've got the roost of drakes that card's just gas it's uh, a one blue enchantment and then you uh kick it for three additional to uh make a two do flying drake but there is a surefoot infiltrator uh it's basically a really sweet variant of our scroll thief and while i do like roost of drakes we're just not kicking that many spells so I'm going to take the Shorefoot Infiltrator. It goes nicely with our Stonework Pack Beast, actually. Uh, not too sad to take that. This is where now I'll, I'll pick up a late Seagate Colossus. Uh, it's it's a big creature with our kind of wide play into party cards. I think this might actually be a decent role player. Sad thing is it is an artifact. So it can be destroyed by the Tuna Red damage spell because it can destroy an artifact as well. But, you know, I'll take it and not be too sad about it. Now we get an Allied Assault. It's the uh, uh, Double Tactics card here. It's uh, up to two target creatures. You get plus X, plus X, where X is the number of creatures in your party. Probably won't play it, but, you know, it, it's a fair card, fair to Midland. There's a Field Research. It's the kicker card that lets you draw three cards. We already have enough card draw. I'll just take a third Expedition Diviner. I'm not sure how good this card actually is. The other choice is an Anti-Cognition, but I just don't think that card's very good. Not too interested and we sure enough did table the practice tactics well i don't think we're gonna play two of them but i will take it i will take this tazim royal mage though oh my gosh it's the four colors kicker spell it's a two one that brings back an instant or sorcery from your graveyard I mean, that that's just amazing uh, and then we we now have a choice between another cunning geyser mage or a c4 stalker i'm gonna probably take the stalker i mean i like a, a geyser mage but the rogue is unblockable, it can win us the game, and we also want to kind of increase our our wide swath party. Uh, oh my gosh, now we have four Expedition Diviners. Yeah, I, so when we get this deep into the pack, this is where we start to feel the pressure between taking something that is on party to something that is a wide party spread. I think that's a really cool dynamic of Zendikar Rising is when do you specialize into a particular party and when should you start to diversify your bonds, as, you know, Wu-Tang Financial might say. For those of you who appreciate the Wu-Tang Financial, they tell you to diversify your bonds. You know, the RZA, the JZA, Inspected Deck, ODB. 
Uh, that's that's a fun Inside Chappelle show reference for any of my fans of early 2000s sketch comedy shows starring Dave Chappelle. Uh, in any case, so there comes our white-blue uh, party deck. We're going to have a couple choices to make in the end here. Do we play this singleton splashed Deadly Alliance off of our double stonework pack beast and maybe a swamp in there? Or do we have enough? Alright, Unlucky Lounge Rats, we took a second to kind of review the build, and what we're going to come to the conclusion of is, first off, we end off on four Expedition Diviners. I'm cutting one of them, but I'm going to play all the others. We have a fair number of Wizards, not including the uh, Stonework Pack Beasts that we're going to be playing. That I think this card is probably just fine as a 3-2 Flyer for 4, and then if we get to draw a card because we're just forcing our opponents to deal with it, that's pretty cool. Surefoot Infiltrator is pretty cute with, again, the double Stonework Pack Beasts and also the Seafloor Stalker. We can end up just getting a surplus of cards, which is quite nice. Uh, in the end, the biggest choice I had to make was between Deadly Alliance, the four colors and a black splashing off of the Stonework Pack Beast, and a Singleton Swamp, or the Skyclave Plunder. This is the source we picked up, uh, pick one, pack three. Uh, it's four and a blue. You look at the top X cards of your library, where X is three, plus the number of creatures in your party. Then you put three of those cards in your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So this card... I took it first because I thought it was cute, it had the party payoff, but I just don't know if this card is particularly good. I think this card is going to be really useful in the control matchups, and the fact that we are traditional draft best of three means that this card is going to play a role when it comes to boarding. But in the main on game ones, I think I'd rather just have the Deadly Alliance. We've got the double stonework pack piece, which kind of builds in for us, uh, you know, some extra splashing ability for all three of our colors. Now, granted, it's not great, but I think the fact that it gives us a little boost with our party gives it the edge, and I do want to play these cards, and I think having a removal spell in the main is just another good reason to be running these Stonework Pack Beasts. On top of that, we're going to run the 17 and have some solid card draw with the Spoils of Adventure, the Sure-Footed Infiltrator, the Scroll Thief of the formats, and then we're still playing two MDFCs, the Salundi Vision and the Kabira Takedown. The fact that we have these in our deck not only does it include uh, increasing our spell counts so we don't flood out as much, but also it's doing a little extra for our color count as well, something I didn't really realize until I laid out this deck. So while I've got 881 in my mana base, not including the double stonework pack piece that I have, which I guess you could maybe count them for one and a half additional sources for each color, but now that we have a Kabir Takedown and a Selendi Vision, it actually looks like we're kind of running at least 10 white sources, 10 blue sources, and basically three black sources. And that sounds pretty okay for a splash of Deadly Alliance. And even if we didn't have the Deadly Alliance, we still have Journey to Oblivion and double Nahiri's Binding along with the Kabir Takedown, the MDFC white spell that deals damage equal to the number of creatures you control, along with a practice tactics and a bubble snare. We've got a decent removal package for a control white-blue splashing for Deadly Alliance build. I wasn't sure how this deck was going to come together after we put it all onto the table, but I'm not unhappy. I think this deck could be just fine. 
Oh, yeah, Borok, don't don't mention it. I know that the five-costume sorcery didn't make our main, but it's not your fault that you mentioned it. I think we just take the cards when we lay it out. If it fits, great, but, you know, we're exploring a new format, and that's kind of the benefit when you get to bird uh, each other's drafts at the beginning of a format. Okay, okay, maybe more the term bearing is apropos for you, my friend. But in any case, let's go ahead and fire up at least one of our games with this white-blue splashing for a removal spell deck. We'll play it out, uh, talk it through here on the airwaves, and give a sense to our listeners just how this deck operates. So we are on the play. Uh, we open with three lands, a Kabir Takedown as a white source, Bubble Snare, and Seagate Colossus. Yeah, this is a, a fine keep. We'll play that Kabir Takedown as a white land straight away. And uh, now we have all the colors we need. If we can draw into a Stonework Pack Beast or maybe another Rogue, this sure-footed Infiltrator would be nice. We draw the Solundi Vision. I'm not too sad to see that because it gives us something to do with our mana on turn three. Uh, our opponents are playing a red-white deck, uh, you know, uh, I wonder how good the aggro deck is in this format. Yes, Borak, I guess we certainly will find out. They play the Cord, oh, excuse me, the Core Blade Master, uh, so it does look pretty aggressive. Good news is the Bubble Snare will take it down. We'll probably end up casting this Solundi Vision on their turn to see if we can find an instant or sorcery card to interact with this 1-1 double striking creature. That does feel relatively threatening. Looks like we're just gonna take two here. They'll probably develop their board. Now they played their swamp. I wonder if they're also splashing for one of those party payoffs. They play a second core blade master. Oof. That's kinda dirty, but boy, I, I can see something like a like a, like a trusty knife come down and really send some pain our way. Casting Slendy Vision, come on, let's find something good. And we find nothing. We actually whiffed. And we actually have a fair number. Okay, so there's a lesson to be had with Slendy Vision is just making sure that we have a fairly reasonable amount of sorceries and instants to be able to get with it or just kind of play it as a, as a land consistently. We throw out our sure-footed Infiltrator uh, if they have actually no equipment, that uh, it actually could be fine. They actually just vanquish the weakest, so now they're going to crack at us for four here. Not the best of situations for us to be in, but it's certainly recoverable. Uh, we draw the Tazim Royal Mage. Okay, not bad. So what we'll do here is we're going to play the Expedition Diviner, and then we're going to bubble snare one of the Core Blade Masters. I guess I didn't really look at this card thoroughly, but it actually doesn't do anything with additional equipment other than just be a really massively large beastie. But we're able to play the Expedition Diviner and Bubble Snare of one of the creatures. So, you know, there are worse things that could happen. If we draw land, we get to play the Seagate Colossus that we drew, or we could maybe bring back the Salundi Vision with the Tazim Royal Mage. I might just do that in order to get the value off the Diviner if it dies. Whoa, okay, so they just played an, a third Core Blade Master. Plus a Ravager's Axe. Wow, sorry, Ravager's Mace. Uh, so it's a uh, it's equipment that gives the creature plus one, plus zero, uh, and has Menace. Actually, yeah, for each creature type in their party, they get plus one, plus zero. Thankfully, they just have three Warriors, but we are at 
10, and that's kind of scary. So we'll run out the Seagate Colossus. Unless they have that 2 damage spell uh, that can destroy an artifact, we maybe get to recover here a little bit, which would be nice to have a turn of, uh, of fresh air, but we'll kind of see what happens. So they're splashing black for Vanquish the Weak and Ravager's Mace. Or maybe they're actually just splashing red. Actually, yeah, I could buy that. They're splashing red uh, to play the mace. Maybe they're just white-black. So they are attacking with their 2-1 into my 7-5, which tells me they, they more than likely have a way to trick it. But if they have a way to trick, they have plus 3 damage. That means we're dead if we don't block. Otherwise, we take 4 here and go to 6. Um, kind of just want to go on block, go to 6, and then we can run out the... Tazim Royal Mage, which can allow us to maybe get some additional value. I just feel like if we block here, we're just going to lose our 7-5. They get to throw out a trick. Ugh. We really want that uh, tactics. We're going to board in that tactics uh, going into game two for sure. Alright, we'll, we'll, we'll not block. We'll see what they got. This is this could be a learning lesson here in the format. They don't have anything. We're going to take four, go to six. They're at 20. Next turn we get to Tazim Royal Mage, bring back our uh, Salundi Vision. So even though we missed, we might be able to recover just a, a little bit, which would be nice. Alright, so yeah, Royal Mage, we'll play it, kick it, get back the, the Visions. I think that works that way. Should be able to. Yep. Sometimes the MDFCs and the modals and uh, how they look in different zones can catch me off guard, but uh, this one seems to be just fine. It's like the difference between... Uh, playing a land and uh, placing a land from your hand during the turn that yeah, will pass it through so all things staying we could actually double block with the diviner and the royal mage ooh they played spike field hazard that's gross so they just got a royal mage making our blocks a lot worse so this tells me that more than likely they probably have a trick and unfortunately if they have any trick they might just be able to kill us here then here he's binding that's a real shame. That's a real shame. They got our Seagate Colossus locked down. So, oh, subtle strike. They're cracking in. Yeah, we are we are dead sauce. Well, good news is this is a traditional draft, so we can kind of roll it back. Uh, clearly, the story of this one is they just kind of threw their hand out. They had three of the double striking creatures uh, with equipment. That seems pretty good, but that one took uh, a very short amount of time, so... Let's, uh, let's see how the rest of this match plays out. Going into game two, we cut two of our Expedition Diviners, three two flyers when they die. If you control wizard, draw a card. We put in an additional practice tactics, and we put in the Cleric of Chill Depths, the one three that ices a creature that uh, it blocks. I'm thinking bringing the curve down, having the play might help us out against uh, this white deck that is playing tribal equipment. Okay, alright. We're definitely playing against a cute deck, which I appreciate. Oh, boy. So, we're on the play. We have an MDFC of Kabir Takedown and an Island. We do have a Stonework Pack Beast and a Bubble Snare. I think we're going to keep this. It's probably better than mulliganing down to uh, 6. And we do have a number of lands we can draw. And we can like probably survive missing one land drop. Uh, and then along with having the practice tactics and the stonework pack beast, 
we might actually uh, be able to put this together. We also have Charix, which is a nice payoff for this hand. Really uh, stonewalls their plays. And sweet, we drew an island. We get to stonework Pack Beast. Uh, we'll get to also Expedition Diviner along with playing that 017. This game looks a little bit better already considering what our opponent's playing. They play their own Stonework Pack Beast. I think ours is a little bit better, so uh, I'm not too interested in trading with that. I think what we'll do is just pass the turn. Uh, if they want to crack at us for two, I get it. I understand. That is fine. All right, so they got their natural Mardu. There's the Swamp. Let's see how that pays off. There goes Subtle Strike. Subtle Strike is an amazing card. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, one to black. You put a counter on target creature, and then another target creature gets minus one, minus one. I mean, look at that exchange. That exchange is, is crazy good, what just happened there. Yeah, we'll take it. Good news is we'll get to play this Charix, and Charix, I think, is going to take us quite a distance. We have two islands on the board, plus one in our hand. This is a pretty large brick wall. They'll have to Nahiri's Binding. If they don't have Nahiri's Binding exactly, this card's going to do a lot of good for us. They play Relic File. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. You sack a creature to draw a card, and then if you control a cleric, which they do off the Stonework Pack Beast, that's the that's the trigger there. Okay. Alright. I, I say to that actively cute. What a cute play they had there. Uh, we'll just play our Expedition Diviner, and then uh, just pass the turn away. So they play their own Shepherd of Heroes, and gained 4 life, 324. Uh, good news is, we do have this bubble snare which is nice business to take care of that shepherd of heroes so let's go ahead lock down that three four flyer and even us using this right now we still have quite a number of good uh straight up removal spells that we could draw so yeah i uh, i'm a fan i'm a fan truck soon enough is going to be able to start to attack as well for a lot of damage sadly the relic file is going to do some work against this bubble snare that's unfortunate but i don't think that's uh, avoidable i think we just have to let this three four gain them a little bit of value because we want to start establishing a board presence and getting some damage out there oh well. and they're going to play a second shepherd of heroes okay and then we're going to draw a deadly alliance all right sure what why not why not team let's go ahead and deadly alliance the second shepherd of heroes I like that card a lot, a lot. That's a sweet card. That is a sweet, sweet card. We gain a bunch of life. We go to 16. Now we get to crack. We get to crack with a Charix along with Expedition Diviner. Yeah, I think it's right for us to do this. I'll attack. We hit 6. They can get us back for 3, but I think we're going to start to win this race, especially because Charix is going to start to double activate soon, and he will exponentially give us a lot of damage feel pretty good about that. They uh, attacked with Packwork Beast and passed the turn, although that does leave them with a lot of mana open. Uh, we just drew a Seagate Colossus. That's pretty cool. It's nice with the practice tactics. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 mana. So we could actually Seagate Colossus and keep open uh, the white for practice tactics. I think that's right. So we'll, we'll crack for 3, play the Colossus. Now we have ourselves a 7-5 of Trample plus Charix plus practice tactics that can destroy uh, damage, four damage to attacking a blocked creature, which is a nice place to be in. <laughs> I really like the animation here that they have for party cards. Oh, wow. They just... Sajiri sheltered their Shepherd of Heroes. 
so they could unlock it with the bubble snare. Well, <laughs> joke's on them, we got this practice tactics, which is gonna be nice. And they just mine covered their shepherd heroes. Wow, they really are going for the equipment theme here. Interesting. Well, they'll be able to draw a card off the Aether Vial, but we are not going to allow them to start to mine carver our game away here. And now we're going to start to have a lot of damage on the board. They have a second Sejiri Shelter. Okay. Alright, so now we have to start considering the race here. We draw another land. It is an island, so what that means is Trax is going to be able to activate again here. Uh, what we can do is we can start to crack away. Charx is probably going to get us the most amount of damage. Right now, we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, plus an island is 8. So we can only activate it twice. We play the island. That means it can become an 8-power creature. Alongside the Seagate Colossus, that's 15, plus the Expedition Diviner. Uh, yeah, but they do have an Aether Vial. So that is something to consider here. So I think what we are going to do is we're going to attack with the 7-5. And yeah, I think we have to just... I think we're just going to have to attack with everything. Unfortunately, if they, if they have the equipment, they have one card left in hand, that would be quite the bother. No, no, I'm not going to attack with Charks. I'm just going to attack with the 3-2 and the 7-5. No, no, we should attack with the Sharks now. If they if they don't block, we can pump and put them in in death zone here. Sure, they're going to block with the Stonework Pack Beast. Okay. Interesting. Activate Sharks here. There's a 3-4. 6-4. I wonder if they just have the win in their hands. The relic vials, sure. That's the turn. So, sorry, seven five doesn't have trample. I don't know why I thought that seven five had trample. I certainly did. I was certainly wrong. We are presenting though quite a bit of damage on the board. Maybe we were supposed to play this island so we could triple activate if we draw another land. We play black bloom rogue. Aw, the subject of our last podcast how cute adorable makes me happy but they are in a bit of a situation they could attack with the shepherd of heroes which they which they will they'll put us at four along with the aether vial that has us at two if they sack and sack oh we just drew into the royal that's pretty cool i like that so we'll play our island We'll, uh, we'll attack here and then force them to make the choices. Maybe we can keep this Expedition Diviner on the board. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. I think that's probably the best of the choices that we can make here. So we'll attack with Seagate Colossus and Charix. And I think... Oh, we do have to be careful... Oh, no, they, they, they have to block the Black Bloom Rogue, I think. Yeah, they do. All right. So attack with our two creatures. We'll leave the Expedition Diviner back for whatever might come our way. I mean, they're going to 110% sacrifice Black Bloom Rogue to Aether Vial. This card's doing not a small amount of work. Uh, yep. Let's 
fine. I'll take seven here. We pass the turn. And now, hopefully, this into the royal will get us a win, cross fingers. We might have played that a little conservatively with our expedition diviner. Maybe we were supposed to attack. I don't know why, but I just had this feeling that they had one last card in hand to, to take us down. I could have probably just pushed the damage and then let them make the choice. But they ha really have to have something good here with the two cards in hand. Whoa. Agadim's Awakening. Jeez Louise. Return from your graveyard any number of tar creatures that have converted monocosts that are different. They're actually less. They get to return three creatures. Wow. Well, we played conservatively and we are going to lose to that. Goodness gracious. Yeah, you got it. You can attack with that Shepherd of Heroes. Oh boy. Well, sometimes you lose the Mythics. I think I think I lost this because I got a little too conservative with Expedition Diviner. Uh, we drew a land off of kicking the the Royal. Uh, let's see. Fortunately, the eighth, the Relic Vile. With us at three. We can attack with Charix and Seagate Colossus. They could block. And then we're just going to lose to this Relic Vial on the next turn. Oh, shame. Well, we had that if it wasn't for that mythic rare land. Uh, and maybe we did go just a little bit too conservative. All in all, you know, I think this is still a pretty functioning deck that I'm not completely unhappy about. We're not going to end up going 3-0. Uh, but still, there's something to be said about the control uh, that this deck has. And I guess, you know, just making sure you pick and choose and know when you are the aggressive and know when you are the defensive. What's interesting about this deck is we weren't quite aggressive or offensive at any uh, one point towards the end there. We were just really kind of on the edge. And then that final big spell, I was right about them having one last thing, and it was probably that. Uh, that pushed them over the edge and the fact that they got to bring back their second Shepherd of Heroes to gain enough life so that we couldn't even push through final bits of damage sealed the game for us. Well, regardless, uh, I hope that this draft maybe gave you some insights and as always, we want to know what all of you think. Uh, keep listening down the line. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting things uh, coming to celebrate Zendikar Rising. We might be doing some giveaways uh, for Arena Code, so take a listen and keep into that also if you have yet to listen to our latest episode black bloom rogue plays excessor makes sense go ahead and look a little bit in the archives it's really wonderful uh, i'm joined alongside one of my uh favorite actress friends her name is stephanie her and i collaborate together on this amazing episode and i encourage all of you to take a listen and enjoy that but regardless i want you all to go out there and have a great zendikar rising pre-release weekend no matter what you do whether you're celebrating it online via webcam or maybe even safely in paper with people that you know you can have a great time with well friends this looks like i've reached the bottom of my drink and so we've reached the end of this episode my name is Corey, joined alongside borak and thanks for tuning in to another episode of draft and draft now go out there and make some magical memories of your own
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.